Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about how not to be emotional. Now, this one comes from a listener of the show, Grace, who said, hey, I've just caught up on some of those holiday podcasts and you talked about mum and dad investors trying not to get emotional. Well, that's basically my dad in this instance. And what can I do or how can I help him to not be so emotional in terms of property investment? How can I help him view this as a business? And Grace, you know this, Andrew and yourself have been texting back and forth about, well, what is it? What's the emotive part about that that's holding him back perhaps? And it is in this case about having so many relationships and stakeholders, whether it's your tenants or your property managers and your real estate agents, insurers, and the list goes on. How do we manage this? How can we make sure that it's not overwhelming? And Andrew, I'm sure you've probably got instances in the past where you've seen where there have been people who have been so emotionally invested to such a degree that it's hurting their investing. Yeah. So let's start off with the kind of getting into the market and the emotions that come with that. Probably the number one is just fear. And that's maybe just due to a lack of understanding of how to actually kind of make it work and worrying about, you know, going backwards. And probably the number one fear of new investors is vacancy, not being able to afford a second mortgage if the property sits empty, which is a completely legitimate concern. But the one thing I can assure you is it's unfounded from the standpoint that if you're buying the right property, you'll have a rent at some price. And sometimes you might just have to take a slightly lesser amount, but you will find a tenant so long as you're buying in a main area and a good quality property. And this comes, if I can jump in there as well, about the two ways to to deal with this. The first is to avoid the problem. So if you've got an emotional problem, like you're worried about vacancy, you can first of all try and avoid the problem by purchasing the right property. And then beyond that, to deal with that by going through logically and thinking through, well, what would happen in that situation? And during due diligence and actually doing some research around kind of getting into property investment, there are a lot of people involved. And I guess this is a business. If you're not prepared to kind of spend a bit of time dealing with a few different people to get this right, then don't get into business of property. But just remember that like any business, it can be very, very rewarding if you get it done right. So at the start, and certainly when we're working with new investors, there is often this kind of panic from a few people that, hey, well, there's a lot going on and there's lots of people talking to me. Yep, that's completely normal. And you only have to do that set up once if you do it right. Once you own the property, the whole lot of new emotions come in. Generally speaking, once people who get very invested in the time of looking at rental properties, once they get the property and settle it, all of a sudden it all stops, all the noise stops. If they've handed over to a property manager, there's nothing for them to do and they feel a bit you know, confused about all of that. I have a lot of clients that come in and see me and they might have had a year's worth of investing and they say, oh, we don't really even think about the property now, which is quite funny because they'll be the same people who a year earlier said, oh, there's a lot going on. Just thinking back to when my parents bought their first rental property and they were absolutely terrified and were bullied into it eventually by me. My dad would drive out to Rangiora, so it's about a 30 minute drive from his house, and he'd check the lawns every weekend. And I, I said to him, you just, you can't do that. You don't need to worry about that. You know, who actually cares if the lawns get to a, a, you know, a meter? You can get someone in to fix that. Yes, we want to kind of keep it in a tidy state, but it's not a deal breaker. And it's the property manager's job. So they're going out there every quarter. They're going to tell the tenants to mow the lawns and you're going to keep yourself away from that part of the transaction. So how do you get through that in that case? Like, what did you do other than say, stop going? going out and looking at the lawns. How do you help your dad get past that? I took away his car. 
<laughs> no, no, I didn't. I was hard on him. I just said, you, you just can't do this. It's a property manager's job to do this. If the tenants see you driving past, they might think someone's casing the joint, frail old John, driving past. Seriously, I think it's just a matter of treating this as a business. If you're investing as a passive investor, you do want to hand the reins over to a professional. And that's why you're using a property manager. Some of my investors choose specifically to buy outside of their own city for the very reason that they don't want to be tempted into driving driving past it or don't want to be getting emotionally invested. You know, to avoid getting into this, don't buy the house across the street from you. Don't buy the house next door to you because chances are it's not a good investment. And the other thing is if you get some tenants that, you know, might just have the music loud at 10 o'clock at night, again, it's not the end of the world. If they're paying their rent and not doing damage, who cares? But it might really annoy you. And then all of a sudden you get into a, you know, a yelling match with them as one of my investors told me that they did once. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got an issue with your tenants. All of a sudden it's a burden on you. You're worrying about things all the time and you're losing sleep over it. So I think you just need to separate yourself by introducing professionals and property managers and, and, and the like and using people like accountants when you're doing your due diligence. And that's it's definitely more of that avoid phase. One of the ways to deal with this is to avoid the issue in the first place. So if you are doing out of sight, out of mind sort of tactics where you're purchasing properties that are quite removed from where you live, that's going to remove that issue. But also then using those professionals, and I know we bang on about this, yes, get a property manager, yes, use a property partner if that's appropriate for you. And then that product selection as well. Investing in a property that's not going to have the same level of issues based on whatever that emotive fear happens to be. And it's interesting because we do bang on this because time and time again, I see unsuccessful investors who are managing their properties themselves. I belong to the Property Investors Chat Group, I think it is called, on Facebook. And anytime I go through there, just kind of inspiration around, you know, topics for the podcast time and time again people are asking questions that should be handled by a property manager and I just think for $30 a week you could hand this responsibility over to someone else particularly with compliance costs nowadays and if you get it wrong it can be pretty hard but you know people asking things like who knows a good plumber that can go out now or, and it'll be a Saturday night or what do I do if I need to sell this property and the tenants are in a fixed term tenancy and you just kind of think well these people are so invested in this that now it's a hassle for them and a stress for them and and you can't be a proper property investor if you're going to operate your portfolio like that. You just can't. If I were to manage my properties, I just wouldn't have time to to actually grow my portfolio and think logically. The next thing I want to talk about is the property itself. Let's take an example of an investor who turns their house into a rental property. Now, I always tell people you've got to think long and hard before you do this. And you have to compare if you just sold that property and bought a rental property, would the rental property be better or the same and if it's the same or, or your house is better then you can do it but generally speaking you're better off just going and buying something that's purpose built as your investment. Now one of the big emotions that comes with this is your tenant's probably won't look after the house the same way you did. That's just fact. And they might have not the same furniture as you, and it might just be a bit more cluttered. So again, nothing that really actually matters. They might not look after the gardens the same, but because it was your house, particularly if you're going and doing the inspections or if you're reading the report and you're seeing photos, you feel a bit sad sometimes. And I've seen investors do this all the time. 
better to just get rid of that one, let that one go, let your family home go. Because if you've had your kids grow up there and, and now it's just causing you stress all the time, again, avoid that by making sure that you're investing as an investment property. And again, tenants shouldn't be treating the property poorly, but it's just the stuff that doesn't actually matter, like having furniture you know, everywhere in the house, having a bit of clutter and you know, having a messy bench and maybe the garden's a bit overgrown because they're not really thinking about that. It's all stuff that you can remedy. It's not the end of the world but it can have an emotional impact, particularly if the house was yours or again is across the street. And actually, this makes me think about some investors who I'm working with at the moment, and I'm not going to mention your name because you know I'm talking about you. They've had a property that they have agonised over whether or not to sell or keep, and it's been an investment of theirs for a long while, and it has been an emotional roller coaster trying to figure this out. The decision they've made in the end is, is that we are going to keep this now due to changes in the banking LVR requirements, but it was one of those things that we really had to do quite a lot of work around because there was some emotional attachment and potentially, you know, were they going to live in there at one stage? And also, I see this with people who want to invest in Tauranga, who want to do it purely because one day they want to live there. So you can't be led by your personal position later on. You need to think purely as an investor if you want to be a, a true property investor. So we've already talked about how to avoid the emotions. The other way to get past it is by dealing with them logically. Let's take that example with vacancy. The first thing you can do is allow for vacancy within your budget. So to know there's some in there. But then you could say, well, what's the likelihood that I'm going to have a vacant property for more than three weeks within a given year? What's the risk of that? Okay, maybe there's a 2% chance or a 10% chance, whatever you feel the chance is. Well, let's say that that worst case scenario happened. How would we deal with that? We could set up a revolving credit to get past that, to help us to have the cash flow or the cash available to be able to get past that. We could drop the rent to try and get a tenant in. And you can start to think this through logically. Well, what would happen if we did all of these things? Would we be okay? And the answer probably is yes. Now, the one thing that I would say is if you've got it so in your head that actually there's a 1% chance that we would have half a year worth of vacancy and I can't deal with that tail end risk, that small risk, then perhaps property investment may actually not be the right fit for you. And the reason behind that would be that if you can't sleep at night while accepting some of this risk, even if that risk is very small, then perhaps it might not be the right fit. But these are some of the tactics you can use. You can avoid it by purchasing the right property, using professionals. You can try and work through it logically. The other thing you can do And this comes back to, I remember I once went on a course. It was an emotional intelligence course. Wow, that paid off. And uh, Well, it's quite funny because I I got offered it from the University of Auckland and it was a three-day course or a two-day course on emotional intelligence. And Kelly, my partner, said, oh, that's going to be really good. And I said, I think I'm emotionally intelligent. And she says... Mm. <laughs> she, she she knew not to say anything beyond that, but I understood what she That's was saying. She's got emotional intelligence. That's because she's got emotions. <laughs> and actually, this course was really good because I've realised that it wasn't about how to have emotions. It was about how to deal with them, which appealed to me very much. So one thing that I often use, because when I get overwhelmed or I think, oh gosh, there's too much going on. (laughs) And Andrew laughs at me, but this is actually true. It's called the attic of the mind. Oh boy, oh boy. This, uh, this, I took Ed bungee jumping last year as a reward for something, I think. And and he told me about the attic of the mind. Now fill us in. Let's imagine that your brain is like a house and you're standing in your house and your thoughts and your emotions are coming through. And what you've got to do is raise yourself up 
into the roof or the attic of your mind above these thoughts and you've got to look down at them and you've got to be able to label them and be like, gosh, I am feeling really overwhelmed because I've got seven people that I've got to talk to. And what this is about is not solving it, but realizing that you have an emotion and then labeling it and figuring out logically how you're going to fix that. And for you, Grace, if you're doing this with your dad, I think the most important thing to do is be asking him, what is it that's making you feel this way? And if you could help him figure out what that emotion is, that's probably going to be the biggest thing that you can possibly do is just help him work through that. I was talking with my family over the holidays and working through, okay, so what are the reasons that you're a bit hesitant to invest? It looks like you're a bit hesitant. What's kind of driving that? Oh, well, I don't want to put money into investment properties. Okay, well, let's solve that, you know, pull out a cash flow and walk them through it pull out some of that knowledge to help them walk through it. And it's really a process, I guess, of self-discovery, if I can say that. If you can help them work through whatever the issues are, whatever the hesitation is, you'll be able to walk through and solve that. A big thing about it is just education and listening. I know that a lot of couples, when one partner wants to invest and the other one perhaps has some fears, a lot of it is just listening to the same things. Now, that might be that you decide that you're both going to listen to the Property Academy podcast or, or read the same books or consume whatever that content is so that you're on the same page. Because I even sometimes I know when I'm trying to convince you of something, Andrew, I've gone off and read all of this stuff or watched all of this stuff about building a video studio or something. And I'm I'm so into it because I've convinced myself, but you haven't read all of that stuff. You haven't watched those videos that I've stayed up to 11 p.m. or 12 p.m. watching on YouTube. And so we're kind of on perhaps different pages, but yes. if we consume the same content, we're going to be more aligned. And then you can use some cool attic of the mind emotional intelligence techniques. Now, lastly, I want to read out a review of the show. Now, I've been asking for reviews for quite a while, wanting feedback. And we've got a really great one that I'm very pleased we got today because it's going to help us make the show better. It's a three-star review and the title is Pronunciation. And it says, can you guys please at least make an effort to pronounce Māori place names properly? I think this is really good because I think you've probably got a point there. Andrew and I have been having breakfast this morning with a friend of the show, and we've been talking about this. Okay, what are the things, because we know you've listened to every single episode, what are the place names that we often say wrong? So now I know it's Topo Rather than Taupo. And you'll even notice in the show, Andrew said Tauranga as opposed to Tauranga. Now, we are not going to get this right all the time, and I ask for your forgiveness about this, but this is a really good review because this is something that we haven't been very conscious of or haven't been thinking about, and we can now make an effort to become even better because we do want this to be the best show possible, and that's a great piece of feedback that we can use in order to improve the show. So what I'm going to ask you for now is if you haven't left a review on Apple Podcasts and that's where you listen to your shows, then please do write us a review. We really appreciate them. The one thing I would ask is if you've got some constructive feedback like this, I'd really appreciate it if you'd send us a text at 5522. The reason behind that is if you text us or email us, then if we need to ask you a follow-up question, so that we really understand the basis of your feedback, then we're able to do that. And we really do appreciate when we get some of that constructive feedback, as well as you can always tell us how much you like the show. We appreciate hearing that too, but we really do appreciate stuff that is constructive so we can address it. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show. It really does help us get the message out to more people.
Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.